There are two extremes. Eh? One extreme is denial. We don't want to confront the bad things that are there. The other extreme is despair. Now, we give ourselves over to the bad things. No, 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 no. Those are two extremes that are bad. Hello and welcome to Not So Secular. My name is Mon Reyes and I'll be your host here today. The title of this episode is, But Even If He Does Not. This is a quote from the book of Daniel in the passage where it tells the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. For this episode, I'd like for us to talk about what God might not do. I think if you're part of Christian circles, you know that we like talking about what God would do, right? We like to talk about how God fulfills His promises, about how He is ever faithful, ever present, always just, and about how he will be with us till the end of days. Now, of course, all of those things are true. All of those things are found in the Bible. However, how God will be faithful to us might not happen in the way that we know, or it might not happen in the way that we imagine or expect. How God will be just might not happen, it might not be expressed in a way that we would recognize. Just because we don't see God's presence, it doesn't mean that He's not there. He is a promise keeper, but what do we do if the way that God keeps His promises is not in the manner that we would like Him to? That's what I'd like to explore with you today. This one line from the book of Daniel, I believe, can be a game-changer for us. So where do we find it? We find it in the part where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were persecuted for not bowing down to the king. If you're familiar, they're the three guys who were thrown in the fiery furnace for refusing to worship the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Kind of similar to what Daniel experienced, but instead of the lion's den, it was a blazing hot furnace. This happened during the time when the people of God were taken over by Babylon. They were defeated. So they were occupying the promised land already after having been freed from slavery in Egypt. They make their way through the wilderness, settle in the promised land. But after years of unfaithfulness, after years of idolatry and very bad decisions later on, they were defeated by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. This led to the portion of the story that we refer to as the exile. So the people of God were exiled from their own land. They were forced to live in another land. And this move is actually very strategic because part of what the Babylonians were trying to do in exiling them is to try to erase their heritage, try to erase their culture. They're forced to live out of their lands. They're forced to take different names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those were not their real names. Their Israelite names, their original names are different from their names here. And the young men who had potential was selected to be in service of the king during that time. Among them were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In chapter 3 of the book of Daniel, 
King Nebuchadnezzar ordered a golden statue to be made. And after he had done this, he ordered everyone to start worshipping the statue. Now, of course, if you were a Jew, this is a big no, right? You're not supposed to worship idols. You're not supposed to worship anyone else, any other god or any other ruler other than the Lord, other than Yahweh. And so these three men refused to worship the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And some of the other people around them wanted them caught. And so we read from Daniel chapter 3, starting from verse 8. It says, Immediately, some Chaldeans came forward before the king and made a malicious accusation against the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, may you live forever. You have issued a decree, your majesty, that when the people hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, zither, harp, bagpipe, and every other musical instrument, they are to prostrate themselves and worship the golden statue, and that whoever fails to do so is to be cast into a furnace of blazing fire. Now there are certain Jews whom you have put in charge of the affairs of the province of Babylon. These men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, have ignored your command, O king. They do not serve your God and they refuse to worship the golden statue that you have set up. On hearing this, Nebuchadnezzar became infuriated and was filled with rage, and he sent for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the three men were brought into his presence, King Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my God or worship the golden statue that I have set up? When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, zither, harp, bagpipe, and every other musical instrument, are you ready to fall down and worship the statue that I have made? If you refuse to worship it, you shall be immediately thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. What God is there that can deliver you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to King Nebuchadnezzar, There is no need for us to defend ourselves to you in this regard. If our God whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the white-hot blazing furnace and from your power, O king, let him deliver us. But even if he does not do so, your majesty, be assured that you will not serve your God or worship the golden statue you have set up. Did you catch the line? It's found near the end of the passage that we read. If our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from this furnace and from you, then let him deliver us. But even if he does not. We know how the story ends. The story ends with the three of them being put in the fiery furnace and the heat being turned up so high that some of the servants who were near the furnace were burnt. It was that bad. And Nebuchadnezzar wanted them killed. However, after some time, they went back and checked if the three of them were already burnt to a crisp, only to find one more shadow among the flames. There was another in the fire. You might be familiar with the song. So aside from the three of them in the fiery furnace, there was one who was with them. And because this one who was with them was with them, they were unharmed. They were not hurt by the blazing fire. Like they said, that if God is able to deliver us, then let him deliver us. 
This sounds like it's such a good story, right? Three guys standing for what they believe in, standing up for truth, despite their persecutors, despite their accusers, despite the king who wanted them dead, and God saves them for it. What does it look like to trust and obey God in a culture that stands against him and his people? We need more people nowadays who have this kind of courage, this kind of boldness. Because there are so many people already who would rather not say anything about it or go along with the flow if that means they won't get in trouble. It's easy to obey and follow God when it's obvious that things are going well. It's easy to plead to Him and worship Him when all of our prayers are being answered. It's easy to take a stand when the skies are clear and there are no storms. But what if saying yes to God meant being criticized? What if saying yes to God meant being viewed as someone who is hateful? Because that's beginning to happen more and more nowadays. Or kahit nga hindi explicitly saying yes to God in that way, kahit nga yung just choosing to do the right thing, just choosing to be honest, to be true to your word. Have you ever gotten in trouble for doing the right thing? It's one thing for you to get in trouble when you did the wrong thing, kasi pag ganun, medyo nagigigits mo pa eh. Ah, okay, kasalanan ko to. I brought this upon myself. These are the consequences of my own actions. But what if the reason why you're getting in trouble is not because you're doing the wrong thing, but because you're doing the right thing? Parang sobrang daling maging better kapag ganun yung nangyayari, di ba? Alam mo yung feeling na ginawa ko naman yung tama. Ginawa ko naman yung anong kaya ko. Ginawa ko naman kung ano yung pinaniniwalaan ko. Pero bakit parang ako yung kalaban? Bakit parang ako yung mali? Are, are these questions, questions that you've thought of before? Questions that you've asked yourself before? Or asked someone else before? Yung tipong ikaw na yung gumagawa ng tama, pero parang ikaw pa yung nadadaya. This story can be encouraging for many people because it shows three men who were willing to be faithful, to put themselves on the line for the Lord, for what they believed in. And it shows that it pays off, that in the end, they were rescued by God. They were not harmed because of their faithfulness. And it would be nice if all stories ended in that way. But I believe this is the importance of that one line that we find in the middle of the passage that we read. But even if he does not, Our God is able to deliver us. Let Him deliver us. But even if He does not, then I will worship only Him still. That's a very important line because if we're willing to look at our lives and if we're willing to look at the lives of the saints even, we see that not everyone who is faithful to the Lord were saved from death and suffering. In fact, ang dami nating mga martyrs among the saints, right? So many people were persecuted, were tortured, were killed. If we're just gonna look at the Philippines, for example, our first Filipino saint, San Lorenzo Ruiz, that's his story. He refused to recant his faith and he was tortured for it and he died for it. 
We have stories even in Scripture. If you want to read 2 Maccabees chapter 7, we see the story of this family, these brothers and their mother who were willing to accept sacrifices in order to be faithful to God, in order to do the right thing. But were they saved in the same way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saved? Well, no. Will we be saved in the same way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saved? Well, sometimes, yes, but not always. And this is what I meant at the beginning when I said that what if that's how God would fulfill His promises? What if, yes, it's true that God is just, that God is faithful, that God is present, but what if the way that those, those things are expressed are not in the manner that we would like it to happen? that we would like to see it unfold. Five years ago, I posted this, and I'd like to share it with you. It says, It can be so comforting to try to convince yourself of how, quote, it will all make sense someday. But what if it doesn't? What if the arbitrary explanation for the hurt you've been enduring all this time refused to reveal itself? Would you still trust God then? When a loved one dies, we don't always know why. When we encounter difficulties, inability to provide for our family, breadwinner tayo, parents tayo, it doesn't always make sense why. <laughs> when we go through severe depression and despair, when we go through something tragic in life, you can't just you can't just wave it away by saying that everything happens for a reason. Well, maybe that's true, but it's not. It might not be what the person needs to hear at the time. And that's the thing. We don't know if that's true. Not in the sense that walang purpose si Lord. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I'm trying to say is we won't always know what that is, what that reason might be. And sometimes there are people who will choose to do things that are irrational that are not based on reason, that will cause them to hurt themselves and worse, will cause them to hurt the people around them and maybe some of the people who were hurt along the process includes you, includes me. Or sometimes, tragedy lang talaga, you know? It's no one's fault, but it happened. What do we do then? I think it's important to recognize these things because our faith is not based on optimism. Our faith is not based on positive thinking, on thinking na, huwag maisipin yan, hindi mangyayari yan. Think positive lang tayo. Look at the bright side. That's, that's not faith. That's delusion. In the same manner, it's not when you're going through the thing, diba? it's not just a matter of, oh, just be grateful for the good. Oh, just you know, celebrate the good thing. Everything happens for a reason. It's all part of God's plan. We use these words and it can be so empty. Or worse, it can be so harmful. Why are we so afraid to confront our emotions? Why are we so afraid to face our fear, to face our anger, to face our bitterness, these things that we might be holding in our hearts? Why are we afraid to sometimes even recognize them when they're there? And that includes sorrow. That includes grief. That includes the questions, all of the questions that we might ask God. Why is this happening, Lord? 
It's not bad to ask these questions. It's not bad to feel your emotions because your emotions are a window to what is happening within you. It's not a good basis for decision-making. That's why we shouldn't be making decisions when our emotions are really high or really low. But it helps us understand ourselves. Why do we feel sad? We feel sad when we lose something or lose someone. Why do we feel anger? We feel angry when we believe that something should have been done in a certain way. When we detect wrong, we become angry. Now, is our perception of what is right and what is wrong always accurate? No. But by consulting our anger, we get a better sense of what we believe is right or wrong. And from there, we can experience our emotions and perhaps we could correct our perception. We don't have to be afraid to bring these things up to the Lord in prayer because He can handle it. And in fact, Jesus Himself experienced these things. We see this in the agony of the garden when Jesus was praying to his father, asking, please let this cup pass away from me, if it is possible at all, and yet your will be done. Sometimes we like to skip to that last part, right? We're going through something tough, we're going through something difficult, and we just say, oh, let your will be done, Lord. Or sometimes we tell that to others who might be going through something difficult, and that is worse. But no, let them, let them ask questions. Let them grieve. It's okay. It's fine. God can handle it. We find many different examples in the Psalms. We find many different examples in the Book of Lamentation. Our faithfulness to God should not be based upon how He will reward us. Now, we will be faithful to God because we know that He will save us from the lions or He will save us from the blazing fire. Because sometimes He won't. And I don't know why. In the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn. We know that suffering is real and that suffering should not be denied. Let's not live in denial. And what's beautiful is that Jesus himself allows himself to go through suffering, embraces suffering, not because suffering is good, right? There are two extremes. Say. One extreme is denial. We don't want to confront the bad things that are there. The other extreme is despair. Now, we give ourselves over to the bad things. No, 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 no. Those are two extremes that are bad. What did Jesus do? Jesus embraced the suffering, not because he was naive enough to believe that suffering isn't really real and that everything happens for a reason or some other cliche like that, but, but because he knows that his power is greater than suffering because he knows that at the end of that cross is resurrection. Things will not end in death. And that is what we call hope. Hope is different from optimism. Hope is different from positive thinking. Hope is mature. It is not naive. Hope sees suffering for what it is but it also sees clearly enough to look beyond 
the suffering and see a greater future, whether that greater future will come to truth, come to reality in our lives or in the next. It is hope, genuine hope, the virtue of hope that enables us to be brave, to be courageous, not thinking that we have nothing to fear, but knowing that despite our fears, there is a greater truth that is yet to be revealed. Even if He does not, even if He does not save us, even if He does not shield us, even if He does not shelter us, will we still be faithful to the Lord? Do we still believe that He is good? Do we still believe that He is just? Like we said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did live, but they didn't know that coming in, and yet they were faithful. The Bible says, God works all things for the good of all those who love Him. And that is true. But notice the wording. It says all things. It doesn't say some things. It doesn't say just the positive things. No, it's God works all things for the good. I'm not trying to cast doubt on the truth that God is faithful. I am merely pointing out that even as we place our hope and trust in the Lord, that the pain and uncertainty of the here and the now is still real and that we must acknowledge it as valid. Perhaps this is why Jesus still wept even though he knew he was about to raise Lazarus. Let's see if we'll talk more about that in the coming episodes. I know that God can do all things. I know that he can heal all that is broken within me. I know that he can reveal all that is unknown. I know that he can prosper and fill what I consider lacking. I know that he can do all things. But even if he does not, he is still good. He is still trustworthy. He is still our Father. He is still faithful. And he is still here, present, today, right now. And there it is. That's our episode for today. Thank you very much for listening all the way through. I hope this was valuable to you. If it was, please do help us out. Support our growth by sharing this to someone else whom you think might need something like this or by posting this episode on your wall, Instagram, stories, wherever you think this might reach people. Another way that you could support us is by giving financially. I have a Patreon, a new one that I put up and your support will help me do this better, do this more consistently so that we could reach more people. Thank you very much for listening all the way through. Please pray for me and I'll see you in our next episode. Bye!